Marion, can you do? Can you pull up Ecclesiastes eleven, real quick? Eleven one. I know. Go um, go down to four. I think that's where it's at. I know everybody's frustrated with the wind right now, me included. And I'll tell you a little funny story that happened this morning. It was kind of Angie and I were sitting in the bedroom and. I bought her this little cheesy little greenhouse thing, plastic frame anyway. I had it tied to a post. And this morning, we were sitting there in the bedroom, and I was getting dressed. I said, I cannot believe that this thing is still standing there after all the wind and blowing and everything. And I got it tied around the post. And she said, well, you got it bungeed on there pretty good. And I said, yeah, it's on there pretty good. 37 seconds later, this thing goes flying twisting around all Angie's little plants. She's got a bunch of seedlings. They're gone. I mean, everything's just been uh, kind of messed up. And so we're out there gathering everything back up. And I thought the whole time I'm sitting there going, you know, God, I got to preach today. And here I am supposed to be thankful for everything. And you just blew my greenhouse down. And God, and I don't usually read Ecclesiastes, but I read this this morning. And it says, he that observed the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Go to the next one, Mary. As thou knowest what the way of the Spirit, <clears throat> how the bones grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who will make all. I'll tell you what, this is what God kind of rebuked me this morning. We need to praise God for the wind. Don't know why, Okay. But, you know, I stand down there this morning, and Marion's going, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. Guys, I can't stand right here and tell you why in the world the wind blows 90 miles an hour in Hereford, Texas. God's got a purpose for this wind. And that's what he told me. He said, look, he said, I got this thing, okay? You don't worry about the wind. He said, there's something going on. I don't know if it's the wind of the Spirit. I don't know if he's moving dirt from New Mexico to Colorado. I don't have any idea. Maybe that's his way to do things. But I'm telling you right now, we need to praise God for this wind. Okay? There's something coming. I don't know what the story is behind it, but I'm standing out there in my patio, clothes blowing and flowers flying everywhere, and God said, you've got to praise me through this. That's not part of the sermon, but that's free. <clears throat> so anyway, praise God for the wind. You know, it does things for us. If you're going with the wind in your car, you get about 35 miles a gallon. Okay? Some people get mad, and some people get frustrated about the wind, and you know, mess my hair up or something like that. Well, praise God you got hair. Some of y'all need to praise God for something else besides besides that. <laughs> but <laughs> it just grows in other places. But anyway, praise God for the wind. You know, we need to be prepared for what God's going to do through this wind. You know, we were watching Facing the Giants the other night. And and, and the part to where the, the, the guy comes in, he's, he's telling him about preparing for rain. He says there's two farmers. One's preparing for rain and one's not because he's waiting on everything to be perfect. You know, and Ashley said, Dad, you ought to preach on that one day. I thought, you know what? I, that'll preach. I'll probably do that someday. No matter what, because the weather's not perfect, we don't need to stop thinking about what God's going to do for us, okay? We tend to think, you know, if the wind's not blowing and it's 75 degrees and it's sunny, it's a perfect day. God made today, just like he made that 70-degree day, perfect, so we need to look at this as being a perfect day and not get all umpy-grumpy about it, okay? 
you know, hey, good thing about today, I can't go out and do something. I'll probably get to take a nap today because the wind's blowing too hard. I mean, there's, there's things that you can look at in, that, in that, that light of things, okay? Uh, what I want to talk to you all about today, let's pray first. Father, we just thank you for today, Lord, and we just thank you that uh, you've got a crew of people down south that are ministering your word. And Father, we just ask that you just supernaturally anoint them and bless them and just let them speak your word in peace. Father, we just pray for today, Lord. I just ask that you just use me as a vessel for your word. And Father, I just ask that this just be a blessing on this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to talk about fishing a little bit. But we're also going to talk about something else. And it's, and it's something that's kind of burdened me a little bit over the last several months. And it's, it's kind of church growth, I guess. Maybe that's the word. Um, not, in a, not in a manner. We're going to break this bad boy out. Hang on. Not in a, not in a manner of, hey, we need 5,000 people coming to this church. But it's talking about growing people and reaching out to people. And we look at Matthew, and we're going to look at the disciples. Man, this makes me want to go fishing bad. My Colorado trip's coming soon. Might be sooner than I think. In Matthew 4.18, basically Jesus is going through in the first part of this, the first part of chapter 4, you know, he's going through and and the devil's trying to mess with him a little bit, trying to get him off his game, and he uh, virtually fails at that. And then he gets down to the point to where it shows Jesus is walking, and he starts seeing these people, these men. And basically, it's a simple line, and everybody, you know, everybody knows what it is. It says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? Now, when you look at that in context... There's, there's 12 guys, 12 men that Jesus picks out, okay? I'm going to read you all some stuff about the apostles. Uh, some of this you might know. Some of it you might not know. But I want to break down the part to where what kind of men Jesus is looking for. And then I'm going to compare them to us sitting in this church in Hereford, Texas, and see how this all ties in, and hopefully um, it's all going to work. Um, it says, we find the names of the 12 apostles in Matthew 10, Mark 3, and Luke 6. It says, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose them from the 12 who he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called a zealot. And Judas, was the, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. I don't know why I picked some of the guys in the same names. It's a little confusing, but stick with me. We'll get through this, okay? Jesus Christ selected 12 men among his early followers to become his closest disciples. After an intensive discipleship course and following the resurrection from the dead, the Lord fully commissioned the apostles in Matthew 28 to advance God's kingdom and carry the gospel message to the world, okay? That, that in sense right there, folks, is church, okay? Um, Jesus took these 12 men, and he taught them, and he trained them, and he poured his life into them to go out and develop his church, okay? 
says, these men became pioneering leaders of the New Testament church, but they were not without faults or shortcomings. Interestingly, not one of the, twelve, the chosen twelve was a scholar or a rabbi. <clears throat> Neither religious nor refined. They were ordinary people just like you and me. You know, I kind of really never put that together. I haven't thought about the apostles too much in, in that aspect. Say, but God chose them for a purpose, to fan the flames of the gospel that would spread across the face of the earth and continue to burn bright throughout the centuries to follow. He selected and used each of the regular guys to carry out his exceptional plan. Okay, so I want to go through the 12 apostles real quick and just kind of give you a little brief update on, on or a little bio of each one of these guys real quick. Peter, <clears throat> without question, the apostle Peter was a disciple. Okay, and if you look at not disciple, disciple. Okay. If you look at Peter's life, he was kind of a loose cannon. Okay. I, in a way, I can kind of relate with Peter. Okay. Um, one minute, you know, we're, we're mock three hair on fire going this way, and then something changes and we go a different direction. So I think everybody's got a little bit of Peter, you know, ingrained in them as far as the way they go. Okay. One minute he was walking on water by faith, the next he was sinking in doubts. Impulsive and emotional, Peter is the best known for denying Jesus when the pressure was on. Even so, as a disciple, he was dearly loved by Christ, holding a special place among the twelve. Peter, often a spokesperson for the twelve, stands out in the Gospels. Whenever men are listed, Peter's name is first. <clears throat> he, James, and John form the inner circle of Jesus' closest companions. These three alone were given the unique privilege of experiencing the transfiguration along with a few other extraordinary <clears throat> revelations of the twelve. Peter, after, after, after Jesus' death, Peter became a super bold evangelist, okay? He kind of caught on to the concept of what was going on. And he was one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest leaders of the early church. Okay, then we move on to Andrew. Andrew was a fisherman, okay? Uh, the apostle Andrew abandoned John the Baptist and became the first follower of Jesus of Nazareth. But uh, John didn't mind too much about that. His mission was to point the people to the Messiah, okay? Like many of us, Andrew lived in the shadow of his more famous uh, sibling, Simon Peter. Andrew led Peter to Christ and stepped into the background of his boisterous brother, became the leader among the apostles in the early church. So we don't know a whole lot about Andrew, okay? And then we go to James. James is a fisherman, okay? I like fishing, okay? Jesus was a fisherman and a cowboy, Okay, rides in on a white horse, carrying his rod and reel. Okay, <laughs> just telling you that's where he's at. Okay, he he belongs to Hereford, Texas. All right. So when you when you when you look at all these different scenarios about fishing, it's not just talking about taking a rod and reel, going out, throwing it in the water, and catching fish. Okay, there's a whole lot of things that Jesus uses in the Bible. He uses donkeys, he uses fishermen, and things like that to, to teach people lessons. I'm that kind of person, okay? You talk to me about fishing, I don't understand it, okay? You dress a guy up in this, and you say, hey, man, here's a fly reel, and this thing's nine foot long, and it's got a five weight, and it's pretty light, and you take this little tiny fly, and you throw it out there. I'm a visual person. I can see that. I understand that. I can get into that, okay? When I'm fishing in Colorado, fly fishing, Standing out in a stream, one of the most beautiful places on earth that God created. Marion knows all about it. I honestly really, really don't even care if I catch fish, okay? If I'm just standing in the middle of the stream, 
throwing this fly out there, this stupid little fly that half the time I can't get it going the right direction, hoping that some fish is going to swim up and eat this thing. I just sit there and I get, I get all excited just because of what God created and going, man, this is too cool. And, and I probably got fish biting like crazy, but I don't have any idea what's going on because I'm not paying attention to it. Okay, that's a little rabbit trail there. Okay. James, the son of Zebedee, often called James the Greater, to distinguish him from the other apostle named James. <clears throat> he was a member of Jesus Christ's inner circle, which included his brother, the apostle John, and Peter. Not only did James and John earn a special nickname from the Lord, they're called the Sons of Thunder, they were privileged to be in at the front and the center of the three supernatural events in the life of Christ. In addition to these honors, James was the first of the twelve to be martyred for his faith in A.D. 44. Okay, let's look at Apostle John. He was the brother to James, was nicknamed by Jesus, one of the sons of thunder, but he liked to call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. With his fiery temperament and special devotion to the Savior, he gained a favorite space in Christ's inner circle. John's enormous impact on the early Christian church and his larger-than-life personality make him a <clears throat> make him a fascinating character to study. <clears throat> Although, you know, when, when John, at the first Easter time, when uh, John and Peter were racing, you know, they were trying to see, I don't know, I can just kind of imagine me and my brother when we were kids just trying to see who can outdo each other. And, uh, you know, John won the race and bragged about this achievement, but he let Peter go into the tomb first. So that kind of tells you a little bit about his character. Okay. John outlived all the disciples, uh, dying of old age in Ephesus, where he uh, preached the gospel and loved and taught and all this stuff while he was in Ephesus. Okay, let's look at Philip. Philip was one of the first followers of Jesus Christ, and he wasted no time calling others, like Nathaniel, to do the same. <clears throat> Although little is known about him, and after the ascension of Christ, Bible historians believe Philip preached the gospel in someplace, Phrygia, Phrygia, something like that. Anyway, it's in Asia Minor, and died an early martyr there at Hierapolis. Okay, let's look at Nathaniel or Bartholomew. Um, he was a missionary in uh, Armenia. Nathaniel believed to be a disciple. To Nathaniel, let me try this. Believed to be the disciple Bartholomew, experienced a jarring first encounter with Jesus when, a, when the apostle Philip came to him to come to meet the Messiah. Nathaniel was skeptical, but he followed along anyway. As Philip introduced him to Jesus, the Lord declared, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Immediately, Nathaniel wanted to know, How do you know me? Jesus got his attention when he answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. You know, that, you know when somebody comes to you and gives you that prophetic word or something like that, it kind of makes you want to stand up and listen. And uh, <clears throat> he said that stopped Nathaniel in his tracks. Shocked and surprised, he declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Okay, let's look at Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which I'm not a big fan of right now. Levi, who became the apostle, Matthew, was a customs official in Capernaum <clears throat> who taxed import and export based on his own judgment. The Jews hated him because he worked for Rome and he betrayed his countrymen. So, but when Matthew the dishonest tax collector heard two words from Jesus, follow me. He left everything and obeyed. Like us, he longed to be accepted and loved. Matthew recognized Jesus as someone worth sacrificing for. Okay, Thomas. The apostle Thomas is often referred to as doubting Thomas because he refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he had saw and touched Christ's physical wounds. 
as far as the disciples go, history has dealt with, or history kind of gave Thomas a bum rap. Okay? Each of the 12 apostles, except for John, abandoned Jesus at Calvary. Okay, so that's that's one of the things that we got we got to kind of keep that in the back of our mind when we're talking about these guys. Okay, um, let's move down to James the Less. James the Less is one of the most obscure apostles in the Bible. The only things we know for certain are his name that he was present in the upper room of, of uh, Jerusalem after Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. In Twelve Ordinary Men, John MacArthur suggests that his obscurity may have been the distinguishing mark on his life. Um, Simon the Zealot. Um, scriptures introduce us to a couple of riddles, you know, and and different things like that. And and one of the puzzling questions was who was Simon the Zealot? Same thing. We don't know a whole lot about these guys, but Jesus picked this crew to to be his disciples to teach them and train them. Okay. Now, when, when, when we're sitting here in this church every Sunday morning, Dorman's preaching to us. And not pre- I don't want to say he's preaching to us. Dorman's teaching us, okay? And, and he's doing the same thing that Jesus did with his disciples. He's taking the Word of God, and he's pouring his life into us, okay, to be his disciples so we can go out and grow the church, okay? Once again, not necessarily grow, you know, Come in and fill our church up, but but pour your life into somebody. Okay, that's exactly what that crew down in uh, Amherst is doing today. I, I, when I figured out who all was down there, I, holy cow, <laughs> man! There, there's a powerful crew down there right now. Okay, who, whoever's down there that's not part of the teaching, training crew, whatever you want to call them, they got no options but to be blessed. Okay, I mean, they're, they're just, it's going to happen. Okay. When you take all these men and women out of our church and send them down there in a couple of other churches, uh, there's something going on, okay? So is it a big deal to stand here and part of our church is gone? Absolutely not, okay? Knowing what's going on down there, that's a big deal, okay? Uh, where are we at? <clears throat> Let's see. <clears throat> Thaddeus or Jude, uh, listed together with Simon the Zealot and James the Less, the Apostle Thaddeus, completes the grouping of the less known disciples. Um, then you got Judas Iscariot, okay? He was the apostle that betrayed his master with a kiss, and Jesus knew that, okay? So it wasn't a big shocker, and Jesus actually told him that he was going to do that, okay? So you take a guy like Judas and, you know, somebody that that's that close to Jesus and to not get what Jesus is telling him and do what he did is, is crazy. Do we actually do the same thing? Absolutely. All of us do that to some extent. Okay? So, after after listening to those people, okay, it sounds to me like they're ordinary men. Okay? I don't know why Jesus didn't take scholars. I don't know why he didn't take some of the Pharisees, the most highly trained guys that knew everything, about, well, that, that read the Bible. I don't want to say they knew everything about it because they didn't get a hold of it. Okay, but he he chose these people. Okay, and you sit here and look at us. Okay, we've got 
all different kinds of people in this church. There's all different kinds of people in Hereford. There's all different kinds of people in other churches. Okay? So the point is, when Jesus is talking about fishers of men, okay, that's every single person in this church. Jesus can use you, and Jesus will use you to be a fisher of men. Okay? Now, you know, if you go to, if anybody's, pretty sure everybody here has probably been fishing, okay? If you've ever been to a Bass Pro Shops, okay, heaven on earth, it's kind of what we like to call that, okay? There's 50 bazillion fishing lures out there, okay? Uh, there's just a lot, okay? There's a bunch of different fishing poles, okay? I got a little tiny fishing pole here. I got a big fishing pole here, okay? These are both used for different purposes, okay? Maybe the shorter one just for, for a object lesson. Maybe the shorter one we can use to kind of reach out to our people that are kind of close to us, okay? Maybe the people in Hereford, Texas, okay? Maybe we need to get a little bit longer one to reach out and do some of this Africa stuff. Maybe we can make a different type of fishing pole for that, okay? The reason there's so many different kinds of lures and fishing poles and rods and reels and all this fishing stuff Every single person is different, okay? Uh, now, when you go fishing, what do you do? Okay, you put a lure on, you throw it out there, and you sit there and you wait, maybe. Sometimes you reel them in fast, slow, in, out, up, down, whatever. And you do that for a little bit, and if that doesn't work, what do you do? You yank that bad boy and you cut it off and you get a different color or a different size, a different style, okay? You throw that thing out there. If it doesn't work, what do you do? Pull it in, grab a different color, Okay? That's exactly the same thing that we have to do when we're reaching people that are untouched, okay? I'm in the construction business, okay? I can go reach out to a guy in the construction industry, okay? He might need a pink lure with a purple chartreuse hook and, you know, this. But you reach out to a guy that works at Walmart, he's going to need a different color or he's going to need a different style or a different size because those are two different human beings. They're two different personalities, okay? So what do you do? You throw one out. If that doesn't work, you reel it in and get another one, okay? You minister to somebody, okay? You don't beat them in the head with it, but you minister to somebody, and if they're not getting it, well, maybe you try a different approach, okay? Maybe maybe you use a different scripture. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe you call somebody else to help you. Hey, Marion, I got a guy over here, man. I'm having a hard time getting through to him. Well, Marion might have a way to get through to him that I don't know, okay? He's going to pull a different scripture out than I'm going to pull out. Okay? Maybe his attitude's different. Okay? Maybe we love on people different. Okay? It's exactly like fishing. Okay? So when you're out there and you're talking to people and you're and you're and, you know, one of the things that we don't do very well as a whole, okay, is we don't go out and tell people enough about Christ. Okay? And and, and that's I'm just being truthful, okay? Maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But if we as Christians did our job, what we're supposed to do, we would have to build a bigger church building. Every church would have to build a bigger church building, okay? There's plenty of room in this church for growth. There's plenty of room for the church right down the street to grow and the next one across the street and the next one across the street, okay? Now, please don't, don't take this wrong, and I'm certainly not condemning anything, but the problem with our society today, okay, 
is we're attracted to the flash. We need the show. We need the big bang. Okay? We're not attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore. Okay? Now, some people, that's what it takes to get them into church is 96-inch jumbotrons and $50,000 light shows. Hey, that's great. Get them there. Okay? But I'm just telling you, the people that we reach out to should be attracted to the Bible and Jesus Christ, not the jumbotron. Okay? So when we're out there and, and we're, we're spreading this love and we're doing this and we're, we're throwing lures out and we're trying to catch them, okay, if that doesn't work, well, let's use something different, okay? Like I said, I, I'm a little stubborn kind of guy. I'm a little hard-headed, and my wife is probably nodding you know, profusely back there, okay? But sometimes something gets a hold of me and somebody gets through to me and somebody shows me something that I really get a hold of, and I'm hooked, but because it used a different kind of lure. They used it, and it worked. Okay? Now, that's the good part about fishing. Who else is a good fisherman? Any clues? I'll give you one. His name is Satan. Okay? And I'm certainly not here to boast him or lift him up, but I'm going to show you. Kind of what Satan does here. Okay? Satan's got this little thing, his little fishing pole. That's not a very big one because he's not a very good fisherman. And Satan uses things to, to attract us. Okay? Satan's out here working on somebody right now. And it's not working. This isn't working. And he uses different things. To attract us, to get us away from things, and this didn't work at all. Okay, we're going to try this. Satan's going out here, and he's, that says work. If y'all can't read it, because my little thing didn't work very well. Okay, Satan's out here dangling work. He's going, hey man, you know if you work just a little bit longer, you can stay away from your family, but you can make some more money, you know. And uh, some of you guys, if you work a little bit longer, you don't have to be around your family. And, uh, you know, more money. You know what? If you work hard enough, you can probably save enough money. You can probably buy a boat and go to the lake on Sundays instead of going to church. You know? And he's out there dangling this in front of you. Okay? Well, some guys are smart enough to go, you know what? I'm working five days a week, and the rest of the time I'm going to spend time with my family. So what does Satan do? Well, let's see. That deal didn't work out too well. Let's try something different. You know what? That guy's pretty well on his game. Let me dig through my tackle box here. Let me try something different. Well, got you guys going. Let's see. He's not wanting to get off work. I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to dangle some music out in front of him. Okay? He usually listens to Christian music while he's at work, but you know what? This song on this CD is pretty cool. You know, if you go to song number three, it's got some... It's got some bad words in it, but it's not that bad, okay? So maybe maybe if we can get him to quit listening to Christian music, okay, we're going to dangle this out there in front of him. You know, maybe if we can get him to listen to something a little bit different, maybe he'll start changing his attitude. And the next thing you know, his Christian CD collection starts waving away. And the stuff on his iPod start, has, has some words behind it that says explicit on it, okay? And the reason I know that is because my kids have done that, okay? Satan's out here going like this. Hey, man, don't listen to that song. That's stupid. 
hey, you know, we got some songs that kind of degrade women a little bit, but they're kind of cool. They got a real neat vibe to them, and the music's real cool. I kind of like that. Let's try that. You know, that's not working. Man, this guy's tough. He's not working out too well. He's keeping his music right. He's keeping his life right. He's got his life in order. You know what? We'll try something different. Tell you what we'll do next. We'll hang this out there in front of me because I know this will work. Hmm. Let's try this. Okay. Let's try some. Let's try some magazines. Okay. Okay. Please, this is not pornography. Trust me. Okay. But hey, let's throw a little pornography out there at him. Yeah, I wasn't about to do that. I'd get thrown out of here. But you know, these magazines—they got some pictures of some women in here. You know, that might get him to kind of thinking a little bit different. He, you know, I don't know. If he starts looking at these pretty women, maybe he might try to go find somebody else, or he might start doing something else. Okay, now I got him. Now I got him listening to different music. Now he's working all day. Now I got him just looking at some different things. Well, man, this, this guy's on the. This, we're catching lots of fish here. Let's just keep going with this guy. Let's see what happens next. Okay. There's a cool one here. It's the one I love because I'm guilty as all get out on this one. Come here. Try this deal. I like this fishing thing. It's pretty cool. It's a good way to catch people. It's a good way to get people on your team. Okay, here's what we're going to do next. We're going to take your cell phone out there. I think it's heavy. Okay, <laughs> man, <laughs> whatever the thought, and try this out at home. We're going to take your cell phone. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get him so in tune to his cell phone that he's not going to pay attention to his wife and kids. And when he goes to dinner, you know what he's going to do? He's going to sit there and he's going to look at his phone. And he's going to be texting. And, oh, he might have a girlfriend on the side. Hey, that's a good way to get a hold of you like that, okay? And then when we're having family time, you know, the phone's going to ring or work's going to ring or something's going to happen like that, okay? But, but I'm going to have him so focused and so reliant on this cell phone that he can't give it up. And this is going to be such a part of his life that he can't stand it. He's probably texting right now in church, okay? I've seen that happen, okay? So... Well, that worked out pretty good. Let's try something else. We're on a roll now. I'm catching fish like crazy with this deal. Hmm. What's the next one? Let's see how this one works out. Man, I'm growing my deal. Okay, here's the next one. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Well, you bow, money, money, money. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Hey, man, you know, I already got you working harder. You know, and I got you listening to some different music. You know, Satan's out here jigging this thing a little bit, popping it up and down. Okay? You know, if you go to church, you're going to have to put this in the bucket. Okay? If you don't go to church, you don't have to put that in the bucket. You just made money. That's a good deal. Now, this is what Satan's doing to us, and we're buying it. Hook, line, and sinker. No doubt about it. That worked out pretty good. Okay? And we're, and we're eating this stuff up. Okay? Now, am I saying... Skipping church on Sunday, go to the lake is evil? No. Okay? I do it occasionally. Okay? But Satan's got us right here. Satan's fishing. Okay? Satan's the ultimate fisherman. Okay? He's got this deal figured out. You know why? Okay? God shows us how to fish right. Okay? And Satan has always wanted to one-up God, and he can't do it. So he'll try to do the same thing God does to make this work, but his motives are wrong. His methods are wrong. Okay? So what do we do when we get into this kind of situation like this? 
What's the best thing to do? I've got one of them in here somewhere. If I can see this thing. I don't have my fishing glasses. Cut this bad boy off. Okay? Hey, Satan, sorry, man. We cut your line. You're done. We will fish with you no more. Okay? We're going to go back to this fishing pole over here because it's a lot cooler and it's a lot longer and it's going to reach a whole lot more people. Okay? And it's going to be reached for a reason that's going to grow the kingdom of God and not your kingdom, which is junk. Okay? You know, I read an article this morning that this girl was on her cell phone this morning driving. And I don't know if this happened just recently. It wasn't here locally. And she was texting or Facebooking about the song Happy. It's a new song out that everybody's going crazy about. 30 seconds later, she got in a car wreck and died. Okay? So, you know, Satan uses stuff. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's what happened, you know. But, you know, Satan takes our attention away. You go to any restaurant, pretty much any new restaurant around, guarantee it there's going to be a TV on the wall, okay, or two or five or some kind of flash, okay. And I honestly believe that Satan has got us so in tune to where we have to be entertained 24-7 that that's his way of breaking down our relationships, okay. Instead of sitting at the dinner table talking to your family, he's going to show you the ball game up here, okay. And your wife's over here. Well, he's got her sucked in, and she's over here looking at Facebook and texting. And your kids, they don't even know where they're at because they're just like this, you know. They, What do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care, you know. But but that's how Satan does stuff, little bits at a time, little pieces, little piece. Well, you know, if I put a TV on the wall, they're not going to pay attention. And I'll tell you all a sad, sad story. This happened in our family, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell it, but it's the truth. Several years ago when we were out on the East Coast, um, we bought a little game. I guess that's what it's called. I don't know. But anyway, it was a little can, about that big, and it was called Table Talkers. Okay? Shame on us for buying this. Now that I look back, that was messed up. Okay? What you do is when you're sitting around the table with your family because you don't have a clue what to talk about because nobody talks anymore, you pull this little card out, and it tells you what to talk about. Somebody grasped the concept and got a hold of the idea that Satan's trying to mess everybody up and keep them from talking, so I'm going to tell them what to talk about. And they probably sold billions of these things, and we bought it. And we would sit there at the table, stare at each other, hey, let's pull table talkers out because we don't know how to talk to each other. Shame on us for doing that. We've lost that edge, and we've lost that as a society, and the reason churches are dwindling down is because people aren't out there, myself included, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, up until last week, it's been several months that I've invited somebody to church. Shame on me, okay? And if y'all, I, I'm not condemning y'all, but I'm just telling you right now, part of the reason churches are fading away is because we've lost the will, the desire, call it what you want, to invite people to come to church, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we did that as a whole society, there would be no room to sit in this church. Okay? I'm just telling you the truth, and that's out of love, because okay? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm guilty. It's been a long time since I've invited somebody to church, up until last week. They didn't come today. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay? So, when you, when you look at Jesus fishing, 
Okay, He's teaching all his disciples. Let's go out, and I'm going to teach you stuff, and I want to show you that the power of God works. And I want you to go out, and I want you to tell all these people this, and I want you to start telling people and telling people. And I want you to show people how great God is and how, how this thing is really good. Okay? Are you going to have windy days? Yes, you're going to have windy days. Okay? Is it going to blow your greenhouse over? Yep, it's going to blow it over. But you know what? At the end of the day, praise God. Okay? Praise God that I had enough money to buy the stupid little greenhouse. I mean, I can turn it 90 ways till Sunday to tell you how good that is a blessing. Okay? If you're at the point to where you're not comfortable inviting somebody to church or you feel unqualified or whatever that is, a uh, couple things. Um, to, to sit here and say you're unqualified, I would have to heartily disagree with you. Okay, Everybody's qualified. Up until the last minute, these guys with Jesus hung out with Jesus all this time, and up until the very last minute, did they get it? Nope. They still missed the mark. Okay, Are we going to miss the mark? Yes, absolutely. Okay, But you know what? That doesn't mean that we just come to church and say, well, I invited a guy to church and he didn't come, so I, I'm probably not very good at this. I won't ask him anymore. Okay? We need to keep on fishing. Okay? Maybe I used the wrong lure when I asked them to come to church. Okay? Now I need to, now, now that I know that they're not here, guess what? I'm going to change my lure. I'm going to do something different. Okay? Maybe instead of just saying, hey, you know, we'd love for y'all to come and, and do this, you know, maybe my next one will be, you know what? We got a pastor that shares Christ 100%, okay? And he's going to tell you the good news. Maybe, maybe that's the lure I needed to use the first time. I didn't use it. So did I catch the fish? No, I didn't catch the fish. I missed it, okay? But you watch these guys on TV. They don't stop just because they miss a fish, okay? You keep fishing, and you keep going, and you keep asking, and you keep on. And the Bible says, you know, just don't stop. Don't stop. Keep fishing. Marion, how many fish have you missed? A lot. Do you still go? You're going fishing tomorrow after all this, aren't you? <laughs> do, you do you quit fishing? Absolutely not. Okay? So when we're inviting people to church and they don't come, well, hey, ask them again. Ask them again. Wear them out. Get them to that point where they're going to go, I'm coming to church just to shut the guy up. Okay? And then what's going to happen, Dorman's going to come up here, or whoever's up here, I'll tell you what, when who, whoever comes up here okay, is going to give them some Jesus, and they're going to get a hold of it. Okay, We've had people sit in this church, and I've witnessed it, and I've been part of it, that Dorman's talking about the exchange, and they, they fidget in their seat, and the cool thing about sitting in the sound booth, you can kind of see what's going on, and next thing you know, they're going, you know what, I, I, need, a, I need to do this Jesus thing. Okay, And we're going to keep baptizing people. Okay, and we're going to keep praying for people. That's what this church does. Okay, And if, if we get to the point where we're baptizing people every week, praise God. Okay, If the water heater goes out, guess what? We'll get another one. Okay, Water's warm. Okay, Let me read you all something real quick, and I'll close with this. And uh, talking about feeling unqualified. Okay, Next time you feel like God can't use you, remember this. Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, 
Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while he was praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced way more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. Okay? So what's your excuse? Y'all got anything worse than that? Anybody? Nobody? Nobody's got nothing? So there you go. There's our answer. We don't have excuses for not going out. Okay? And like I said, you don't know your full potential. You don't have a clue what it is. God knows what it is. I don't have a clue what my full potential is. Okay? I'm going to try something. If it's not going to work, I'm going to try something different. Okay? In Revelation, God calls all of us to be priests. Okay? And he's empowered every single person sitting in this church to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, can you take little kids like that sitting back over there and let them share Jesus with somebody and they get a hold of it? Absolutely. I've seen some little kids that age prophesy, and I've seen some little kids tell stories that makes you go, you know, I'm, I'm standing here right now, I'm 48 years old, I can fake some stuff. Okay, I can play church if I had to. But you get down to the little kids and they can't do that. Okay, there's a message, there's a, there's a deal on the, on the radio, it's been around for a while, a little boy calls in the radio station, and, and, and he's a young kid, and basically he just tells this guy, he says, hey man, this is what God told me to tell you. Well, you know what? Little kids are pretty hard. You know, they're, they're not very good at faking stuff like that. And it was sincere, okay? So God can absolutely use every single person in this church to go fishing, whether it's fishing like this in a stream, okay, at the lake, whatever, or if, when you walk out tonight, today, and you go down here and you're eating dinner somewhere and you see somebody, and if, God's, if God has this little umption in you, let me tell you, don't miss this opportunity, you know, if, if, if God's saying, hey, go over there and talk to that person, don't, don't not do that. Okay? <laughs> Bad English. Okay, don't miss that opportunity. Okay? It could be as simple as something like, hey, man, I noticed you had a, you know, whatever. You look great today. Hope you enjoyed your Sunday. You know, God brought this wind for a reason. Walk away. You know? It could be something like that person over there is crying out for help and you don't know it. And you could be the one that God uses to go over there and witness to that person. That's what fishing's all about, folks, right there. That's fishing 101, okay? Anybody got anything we need to pray about? We in good shape? Everybody good? Everybody praising God for the wind? I know it's hard. 